0: You know, three weeks ago, I shared with you my heart for the gospel. I shared with you what I think our purpose is as believers. And to do that, we examined the story of the prodigal son. Um, Of course, that's that wonderful story of our loving God. And while most of us are quite thankful that um, we read this and we see this story, we find it hard sometimes to look into the deeper meaning for those of us found in the pew every Sunday. We say things like, it's wonderful that God accepts sinners back into his fold. Praise God for his grace. But we don't stop and say or hear what Paul Harvey gave some us over the years. We fail to hear the rest of the story. So many preachers over the years finished the story with the words, and so they began to celebrate. Well, unfortunately, many people in our world don't read their own Bibles. There are countless Christians who believe that the story truly ends there so how can we blame those christians for a lack of teaching on the rest of the story the story of the prodigal is actually in the middle of a sandwich of stories they call it a lucan sandwich uh, that jesus is telling in chapter 14 the pharisees challenge jesus on his dealings with sinners and jesus responds with this sandwich first he gives the first parable from last week the parable of the lost sheep And, of course, that ends with a celebration. Then he gives the second parable, uh, the lost coin, which ends with a celebration. Now, these material things, the Pharisees that had questioned Jesus were concerned about. They were wealth. They were monetary. They meant something to them in the here and now. But a prodigal sinner, they weren't so worried about. They really didn't care about the prodigal sinner because their main thing against Jesus was that he always spent his time with sinners and tax collectors. So this story of the lost son, it meant nothing to them. The rest of the story here, though, in in the book of Luke is the elder brother's reaction or that of the Pharisees or maybe many people in church today. This morning I want us to look at what we can learn from the actions of the other brother in the story of the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15 Verses 25 through 32. And so if you have your Bible this morning, turn there. If not, it will be here on the screen for you. And it says, Now his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him. And your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, Look, I've been slaving many years for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fatted calf for him. Son, he said to him, You were always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost And is found would you pray with me Father God we come to you right now and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings Father we ask that you would take this time and use it for your glory father use me as a vessel and the words that I speak be yours and yours alone Father take this time Make yourself known and we ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake and all God's people said amen when I come to this story the first thing that, that jumps out at me is that the other brother has something missing in his relationship with the father. The other brother is out in the field. He's out there. He's he's doing his work. And all of a sudden, he hears a party. He hears music. He hears dancing. He hears a celebration. And rather than going to the father, he calls a servant to him. Rather than asking his dad what was going on, rather than going in and seeing what was happening, he calls a servant and says, what should I make of this? Now, I think many Christians today suffer from this same affliction. They have something missing in their relationship with the father. The brother had spent his life trying to earn the father's love through following commands rather than building a relationship. It's it's a similar story found with Mary and Martha. You know, they're over there in Luke 10. Martha is working while Mary is building a relationship. Remember, Mary's sitting there at the feet of Jesus. She's just soaking in everything he says. Man, I can't get enough of this, Jesus. I can't get enough of what you're saying. This is wonderful. And she's so excited. And Martha comes in and she was like, Jesus, she ain't helping me. She's not being a good hostess. I'm doing all the work and she's sitting here being lazy. You need to do something. And Jesus says to her, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better and it won't be taken away from her. The better thing to do in the Christian life is to always build relationship with God. It's the goal of the Christian life. You know, we have a job as believers But our goal should be to continually build our relationship with Jesus. To have him at the center. 1 John 3.1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Children should be able to talk to their father. We should be able to walk up and say, Daddy, I need to tell you something. I need you to hear me. The elder brother didn't have that. There was something missing. He had been spending his time doing these things and and trying and trying and trying. If there's something missing in the relationship with the father, there's something missing in your life. Because you know, the elder brother was missing a blessing. Even on a basic level, there was a celebration going on. You ever been the, the one person who wasn't invited to something? The one person who didn't hear about it? You're kind of standing on the outside and, and, you, and you don't know what, what to do. This elder brother, he wasn't going in, he was standing out. He wasn't doing what he needed to do. He wasn't mending fences. He wasn't making things right. He wasn't going in and celebrating the, the return of his brother. Instead, he was standing outside harboring hate, growing this garden of bitterness, brewing contempt. Why was he missing a blessing? Why wasn't he taking part? What was it within him that kept him from saying, okay, I'm going to go in and celebrate this because he's back. It's wonderful. You ever been mad at your sibling? I've never been mad at my sister. (laughs) (laughs) There were times that me and my my, my sister got into some major things. I may have shared this with the committee and they overlooked it. I don't know. But um, I have an uncle who was passed on. But uh, he, he struggled with a lot of things in his life. And he was, he was a heavy drinker. He came to live with us for a while. When I was living with my mom, after my dad had his accident, and he uh, went to Woody's Bar in Mineral Wells one day. And he had taken my mama's car. And my mama went to look for her car, and it wasn't there. And so she... Walked into the bar, saw him sitting at the bar, slapped him upside the head, took her keys, and walked out. My uncle called her a little bit of a name to her face, and then when she was gone, he went back to drinking. The guy next to him then called her a name. My mom received a phone call ten minutes later from the cops to bail my uncle out of jail, because that's my sister. I can call her what I want to call her, but you better not say anything we know how that goes but this elder brother he wasn't he wasn't there he was so upset and disturbed and he hated his brother so much he was missing out on this blessing and the truth is hidden sin can keep you from the blessings of God the brother's sin was keeping him from experiencing this celebration his sin had become a cancer in his life sin does that when sin begins in your life if you don't begin to take that to God immediately it begins to grow And it's like a cancer. It begins to eat away at the goodness and replace itself with with this yucky bad stuff, this evilness. And so here he was being killed from within. Now you may be going, well, we don't know that he was a sinner. Well, if I read the text properly here, I think I can see that he was a sinner. What were the sins of the older brother? Well, first, the older brother was a hypocrite. Now, you may be going, how do you say that? Well, he had this self-righteousness about him. I've never sinned as bad as him. Daddy, look, look what he did. Now, that person can't really belong in church. I know how they lived during the week. Mm-hmm. That makes you a hypocrite because I don't belong in church. But by the grace of God, I can stand here. He even was accusing his brother of stuff. Daddy, he took all your assets and he squandered them on prostitutes. Well, we don't really know that he squandered them on prostitutes. We assume that. We know he had wild living, so we, we can take that to mean that. But he squandered, your, he squandered your stuff. He got rid of it. And it was all on this bad stuff. He passed judgment because he just believed he was better. I'm better than him. I did what I was supposed to do. And he didn't. Well, he was also not honoring his father he's breaking the fifth commandment he wasn't showing honor to his father which was the commandment with promise the fifth commandment rather than talking to dad he wanted to sulk (laughs) rather than mending fences he wanted to build a bigger wall I'm not going in there I'm not walking in where you are dad if you want to talk to me you're gonna come out here because I can't go in where you are because I don't agree with that well there's a problem with that. That's not honoring to your father. If your father is where your father is, you go to your father. Thankfully, if the grace of God says that God comes to us. And he'll step outside just like the father does here. But the elder brother is also harboring some jealousy. He's upset he's not getting a celebration. I have worked for you all these years. And you didn't even give me a goat. I can't even go make merry with my friends. The crazy thing is, from what it sounds like, is... The older brother wanted to be doing these things all along. He was jealous of all the things that his younger brother was doing that he wasn't getting to do. He wanted to be able to kick back and have fun. He wanted what the younger brother had. How many Christians does that sound like today? We want to uh, act pious on the outside, but burn with desire on the inside. We want to have the best of both worlds. Well, I can... I can do everything that I want to do because Jesus is going to save me. As long as I'm at church and I love Jesus, it doesn't matter. But we want to be blessed by God sometimes while being loved by the world, but that can't happen. Jesus promises that all men will hate you because of me. If you're wanting the world to love you, that's not going to happen. If the world does love you, you might want to look at your company and see where you're at. If everybody's going in the same direction, you may want to take a look and see what exit you need to get off on. Because the Bible's clear. Narrow is the path. Narrow is the gate. If you're on the superhighway to heaven, it might not be going to heaven. You ever gone the wrong way? Carrie and I got married. That wasn't the wrong way. Um, <laughs> Carrie and I got married and we went on our honeymoon to Gatlinburg, Tennessee. And uh, we came out the southern route. Came through the mountains down in North Carolina Oh, man, it was so beautiful, but it was dark. I couldn't read the map in the dark and drive, so I gave it to Carrie. Carrie said, turn here. I said, okay, sweetie, I'll turn here. And we drove. And I said, "Okay, oh, here's this town. You see this town? No, I don't see it. It's not on there. Maybe it's too little. We'll just keep driving. Drove. What about this town? No, it's not on there. We drove for an hour. And all of a sudden we're in between in middle of nowhere towns and she said, "Oh." <laughs> what do you mean, "Oh?" Well, these towns are on the wrong place on the map. <laughs> We'd been going an hour east when I wanted to go an hour west. That sometimes happens. Sometimes we get so caught up trying to to be loved by the world that we're on the wrong highway. And sometimes it's time for us to say, okay, God, I want to find you. And the only way to get back there is to put Christ in the middle. We can't continue to try and follow God while secretly wanting the things of the world. As Christians, we're called to be different. We're called to seek different things. Matthew tells us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then everything else will be added unto you. If I'm seeking that, all the rest of it just kind of falls down where it needs to go. That's what happens. But I think the worst sin of the brother, if you call it a sin, you might not, but the worst sin of the brother is that he misunderstood grace. Maybe that's not a sin as listed in the Bible, but misunderstanding grace to me is not a great thing. Because you forget that grace is what it is, is where it's at. When the father gave the inheritance, he gave it in full. He gave the eldest two-thirds. He gave the youngest a third. In all intents and purposes, the father was dead. When we had the prodigal's return, everything was the other brothers. Dad was living in a borrowed house, sitting on a borrowed porch, rocking in a borrowed chair. The fatted calf was the brothers. The goat was the brothers. Everything was the brothers. He could have celebrated whenever he wanted to. But he was too busy trying not to break the rules, making sure everything was done properly. The brother thought everything he had was because of his hard work. (laughs) I don't drink and chew or go with girls who do. I put in a lot of hard work to be this way. Hmm. But I'm only the way I am by the grace of God. The brother had gotten his inheritance by grace, just like the prodigal. His inheritance came the same. The brother misunderstood grace, just like many churchgoers today. What's the difference between grace and mercy? Mercy is not getting what I deserve. Grace is getting infinitely more than what I deserve in a good way. So if I'm driving down the road, going 100 miles an hour in a 70 or a 50, and the cop pulls me over, if he doesn't give me a ticket, that's mercy. If he also gives me a certificate for a steak dinner, that's grace. Grace. We cannot misunderstand grace so much that we're jealous of those who receive it freely. We cannot let the fear of cheap grace cripple us. You know, it's, it's easy to want people to change automatically when they know Jesus. But that doesn't happen most of the time. I mean, most of us... I would say all, but Kenneth would probably tell me I was lying. So, um, Most of us still sin. Most of us step off. You know, there are those times when Carrie might walk out and say, does this outfit look good? And I will take the higher road and say, yes, sweetie, it looks wonderful. Even if I think it looks horrible. Now I'm going to get when I get home, just so y'all know so. but um, <laughs> you know sometimes we say things that are untrue. Sometimes we lie to protect our own selves. We fall off into that. Everybody is going to struggle. But Grace says, even when you struggle, God'll pick you back up. Even when if you fall, God'll pick you back up. He'll put you back where you need to be. My uh, survey of the Old Testament course at Howard Payne was taught by Wallace Roark. That man is uh, well; he's from Oklahoma, so forgive him for that. But he was just a—he still is, not was—he's still he's still alive. He—he um, uh, he retired finally, but you know, in his seventies, he would—if you put his chair on the desk, he would climb up there and sit in the chair and teach from from the chair. Just who he was. He spent the Old Testament. The final was this. Explain the Old Testament in the light of Deuteronomy. That was, the entire, that was the entire final. But the truth is, Deuteronomy is a huge picture of God's grace. God sets His people up. God's people fall. God comes to the rescue. And He sets His people up. And His people fall. And God comes to the rescue. And He sets His people up. And His people fall. Grace is continuous. It happens again and again and again. And the truth is, we're never going to be perfect until we get there. We're never going to get to the point where where I'm not doing something wrong. It's always going to be there. The good news today is that I love the end of the story here. What happens? The Father says, son... You've been with me always, and everything I have is yours, but we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And then Daddy walked away from from what I see. At that moment, Dad went back into the celebration because that's what he was there for, and he left the older brother standing in the yard. He left the story open. I don't think there are any accidents in scripture. It's not something that I that I hold to. I think everything's here for a reason. And if he left him standing there, he left it open for a reason. The door is open for us other brothers in the church to make our own decision. Jesus doesn't force anything on anyone, not even heaven. He's a gentleman. He knocks at the door. He doesn't bust it down. And so there he is. Whether we're the returning prodigal or the hypocritical other brother, the father always comes out to meet us. He did it to both sons. Did you notice? For the prodigal, he runs and he throws his arms around him and he kisses him and he loves on him and he says, clothe him, take him, let's have a celebration. The older brother standing outside, he's pouting. Well, am going to go in there. That's my fatted calf. He won't even give me a goat. I'm going to stand out here. Sir, what's going on? Well, well, sir, come here. Wouldn't even go in. But daddy comes outside still. The father still comes out to meet us. And he gives mercy, but more importantly, he gives us grace. Who are you this morning? Are you the son who squandered a fortune, are you the son who wishes he had? This morning, let's all walk from this sanctuary with the knowledge that God comes to us when we're too proud to come to him. This morning, don't let the sins of the other brother keep you from fellowship with your brother and your heavenly father. Let us all put away our self-righteousness, our jealousy, our judgment, our misunderstanding, and come to the altar of God to restore our relationships. There's one truth that this story proves over and over again. And it's that the family is not always easy. Whether it's physical or spiritual. So this morning, allow yourself the time to ask, when will I return to God in His celebration for everyone that's lost? Maybe this morning, you are the prodigal. I don't know. That's that's the good thing about being here for the first Sunday. I don't know who you are. So, you may be the prodigal, and I can can give a great altar call and say, all of you are sinners, and get down here. But I don't know. Maybe this morning, you're the prodigal. Maybe you've been fighting something that God has been wanting you to do, and now is the time to let it go to Him. Today will be a great day. Maybe, maybe you're the other brother. Maybe it's been easy to sit in church and, and look at the, the person who comes in who struggles with alcohol, who struggles with drugs, who looks different. Maybe it's been easy to look at them and say, Hey, I don't know if they'd fit in here. This is a small town. I grew up in a small town a little bit. It's easy to say, oh, that's old so-and-so's kid. I'll believe it when I see it. Maybe we're the other brother today. Wherever you're at, God can take this time and he can redeem your life in a way that you've never imagined. All you got to do is give it to him. This morning, if you need to know Jesus, I'm here. I would love to pray with you and, and, and take you through that process. All you got to do is walk down this aisle and say, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus, and we'll go from there. Maybe this morning you want to turn to missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe you have some other need that, that I haven't even mentioned today. Now's the time. But whatever you need, whatever it is that's been placed upon your heart, give it to Him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank Him We praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that You would take this time, Father. Move through it. Make every need known. Father, if there's anyone here who does not know you as Savior, don't let them walk through these doors today without knowing you. Father, we love you this morning. And we thank you for the grace that you show not only to those who have walked away and are lost, but to those who have stood here the whole time and still don't understand grace. Father, thank you for loving us. And we ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake. Amen.